Good morning again. Good morning, good morning. Come on, grab your seat. We're going to get into the Word of God. Praise the Lord. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. B-I-B-L-E. Just seeing who's paying attention. We need that Word of God. All right. Well, and we've said it so many times, but happy Mother's Day. We just so celebrate the mothers here, mothers uh, away, mothers in heaven. Thanks for that, Kevin. I was thinking about that today as well. Some might say, why do we take the time, you know, here at church on Sunday morning, every year we make a big deal on Mother's Day. And you can say, why? Because it's not necessarily a religious, spiritual holiday, and yet it's so worthy of supporting, so worthy of celebrating. You know, it, it is, in a sense, spiritual. When you think of um, when God created all that is, he started with a man and a woman who would become father and mother through whom he would populate the earth with a family. And he never changed his mind. You know, and so it's no surprise then that in our day and age and in recent decades, family, the idea and the concept of family, mother, mother, father, Uh, has been so under attack. So we love to remember that God in his infinite wisdom established a family on the planet, and that's why we're here. So to celebrate mothers is very spiritual. And we'll do the same thing for dads on Father's Day. We do have some gifts today for our moms, and I want to let you know what we have. Uh, We won't give them out now, but I'm super excited about what we got over here. Ooh, almost made that speaker uh, feedback. You may see these bags over here with stars and stuff. Each of these over here is for moms in our spiritual family. Um, and what they have is a special note just for you. It has your name on it. Let me tell you how much we love our moms. Is that our, the elders and some of our leaders took time the past week to ask the Lord for specific words of love and encouragement for each of you moms. Specifically for you. So if you want to know if you're loved, seen, and valued, there it is. Uh, So make sure today when we're done with service to get the one with your name on it and hear what the Lord wanted to encourage through you. And then we've got all these gorgeous flowers that we're going to hand out later, what I call a chocolate buffet that will be for all the ladies, not just the moms. And then um, we've got gift cards, all kinds of various gift cards just for the, the moms as well. So moms have a special note and gift cards. All the ladies get flowers and chocolates because whether or not you've born children yet, um, I believe in God, all women are mothers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, We're going to talk about um, God's purpose in women being mothers, and specifically that mothers are promise carriers. Women are promise carriers. We'll say it that way. Well, I'll just say you, ladies, are promise carriers. Now, men, if you think you're about to check out, don't. I promise God's going to speak to you today as well. Um, so we're going to get into the word, um, and specifically in how God has created women to be mothers who carry his promises. Does that sound good to you? Um, again, I think that this is one of the things that are, is so under attack Uh, in our culture, and really just spiritually under attack. The devil hates moms (laughs) because he hates God. 
and he hates God's image. He hates what you get to carry, and so we want to celebrate it. We want to strengthen it. We want to uh, see the Lord empower you. And as I was praying again this morning, I really felt like um, for all of you women in the room today, God's going to release grace upon you. Uh, Grace, especially for those who may have felt in these past seasons um, disillusioned or hurt or even just sidelined for whatever reason by circumstances of life. I just see the Lord by the Spirit uh, releasing grace on you to fully live again. Amen? Well, let's pray as we get into the Word of God. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the Father, God and Father of all. You have brought each of one of us into existence. And today, as we look to your word, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, especially upon the women, Lord, I ask that you would fulfill what I just spoke, that you'd release grace upon grace on every heart. God, there would be even a rebirth, as Sandy said, in many lives. God, a fresh grace, a fresh anointing to, to carry the promises that you've called them to carry in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love the glory ding-ding, but if your phone's on, could you just silence it? That would be amazing. All right, so we're going to look at the Word, and we're going to look at three specific mothers in the Word of God today. We're going to look at Eve, um, which literally means the mother of all. Uh, We're going to look at a woman named Naomi, And then we're going to look at Mary, who we all know brought our Savior Jesus into the world. So we're going to look at three women, how they carried the promises of God, how the warfare was against them, and how you can fight the good fight to carry the promises of God that he's called you to. Let's jump in. So we're starting with with Eve, the mother of all. When God created mankind, he began, as we said, with a man and a woman. Um, that this would be the foundation of life on planet Earth forever, and I love that. And almost everyone is familiar uh, with Eve's story. Even people that don't say they don't believe in God know the story. They know the, the history of Eve, and many know even her mistake. But I think the more important question isn't what did she do, right or wrong, is why did the devil target Eve? What, what was she carrying that made the devil say, no, let's not go for Adam. Let's go for Eve. And I I will tell you this, I don't think it's because she was weak. I think it's because he knew she was the one carrying the promise, carrying the promise of life for the planet, carrying all of mankind within her womb. If he could get Eve, he could get all of us. She carried in her the promise of all humanity, and so to distract her, or somehow impact her, it would impact her. So, of course, you know, he knew that she was important. Monumental in the created order, in fact, and the devil's not dumb. Scripture says he's very crafty. So let's read the story, Genesis chapter 3. Um, I'm going to read a lot of Bible. would love for you to follow along in your Bible if you have one. Um, we'll have it all up here on the projector screen as well, or if you have a device that you can get quickly to. We will be in several different places. So um, whatever works for you. I just want you to see and hear the word of the Lord. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say 
you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now I'm skipping in. Most of you know this story. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Smart woman, she knew what God said. Verse 4, the devil says, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, you know the devil only has one language. It's called lies. And he's spinning lies at her. Now, the woman's, when the woman saw, I'll say, quote, saw, verse 6, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, Adam has some explaining to do here as well, but we're not talking about him today. <laughs> now, see, the devil didn't target the woman because she was weak, nor did he target her because she was dumb. In fact, women are extremely smart. And extremely, you're welcome, extremely deep and complex thinkers. God made you that way, didn't he? He gave you brains that work really well in ways that I can't even fathom. And so the devil was crafty, and he knew, well, if I can take this woman who carries the seed of all humanity and get inside that magnificent brain of hers, that's going to be the way I deceive her. And so he did. He implanted, he sowed a seed of doubt in her mind, a what if, causing her to think differently, to cause shade to come on the nature of God. Did God really say, Eve? It's that seed of doubt that I believe in that moment probably sent her mind spinning down a million different trails. Did God? Is there something God maybe is holding out on us? Is there something more we could have if we did this, if we took partook of that tree? And that the lie is the same today. We live in it today, and women today. Essentially, to the core of it, Eve, you need more than what God has given you. Because what you have right now, it's not enough. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You, you need to have this fruit over here because otherwise you'll be lacking something that you need. Notice what it said after he spun the lie to her. She saw that it was pleasing and desirable for wisdom. That somehow now she had embraced a lie that said, I need more than what God has given me. I am not enough with what he's given me. How many of you? No raise of hands. Have heard that lie in your life. You're not enough. You don't measure up. You need something more. And you know what? That's such a lie because there will always be more. There will always be a lie that you haven't gotten enough. No matter how much of the more you get, no matter no, how many measuring bars you can, you can achieve in your own strength and through your magnificent <laughs> intelligence, the lie will always come that you're still not enough is the first deception, and the devil, though crafty, only speaks in lies, and he really likes that one. You're not enough. You don't measure up. And uh, caused her to think and think and think of all the ways she must not be making it. 
I believe that's what happened in that moment. All the scenarios and possibilities of what was to come and the unknowns of the future. Of if I'm going to be the mother of it all, I really need to be resourced with everything I can possibly have. Playing again to the beauty of God's creation and womankind. To care, to nurture, to provide. To leverage her resources to provide for her progeny. He was playing to her strengths. To lie to her. He got... And ultimately, the deception there was he got her thinking about herself. She wasn't enough. That God wasn't enough. And to somehow create another standard other than what God had set to compare herself to. Eve, you need more. That's the devil's lie to us all, really. But I see women especially especially struggling with this idea that you're not enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not nurturing enough, not feminine enough, not, 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 not. But was Eve in this moment in any way flawed? She was perfect. Perfectly made in the image of God. But the devil wanted to cast that doubt on God and his goodness so that she'd turn aside for a moment from the voice of God and turn aside to the voice of the devil instead. But God. But God. Though this mistake and this deception would impact all of us, all of humanity, right? After her, devil had a plan. Well, God had a plan too. God had a plan that he would use her, use this one and her, ever, her as the mother of all humanity to bring forth, regardless of the devil's trying and conniving and cunning, she would still bring forth image bearers into the earth. She would still bring forth children. And every child born from Eve till now it bears the image of God and is a sock punch in the devil's face. You couldn't stop the image of God from covering the earth. Still the mother of all, because still the image of God would be on the earth and would continue to multiply daily from there on, punching the devil in the face every day since. But God, there was more. God had a plan, not just to multiply and fill the earth with the image of God, but through her to ultimately crush and destroy the devil forever. Let's read that part of the story. Genesis chapter 3, verse 13. This is after they sinned. God came into the garden, and he's like, what happened here? And they, they, okay, let's jump in. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent. Okay, did you ever notice that the first response of God was not to discipline the man and the woman. It was to discipline the serpent, to cast judgment on the deceiver once and for all. And this is so good, but let's read it. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And 
I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He, meaning the seed of her womb, Jesus ultimately, will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God pronounces judgment against the serpent. Interestingly, I don't know before this moment that God had any plans that would ever require that the, the serpent, the devil, the deceiver would have to be judged and destroyed. But because Eve took the bait, because he deceived the woman, judgment came on the serpent. And now, though he may have roamed the earth forever, judgment was on his head. God had a plan. Oh, Eve messed up, but God. Okay, devil, you're going to come after Eve? You've just put a sentence on your head. You may bruise the heel of humanity, but ultimately through humanity, you're going to be destroyed. Ultimately, through the seed of this woman's wound, you will be crushed forever, and it will happen. The end of the book tells us the story. The serpent will be cast into eternal fire forever. The devil has an expiration date. Did you know? Deception has an expiration date because God. Because Eve, hallelujah, God had a plan. And because of this misstep, not on Eve's part, but on the devil's part, the devil will be destroyed. Hallelujah, that's good news. He sought to destroy, but he's the one that will be destroyed. So did Eve mess up? Sure. But God's faithfulness was so much bigger than her shortcoming. And God's plan was so much more victorious than her mistake. That's good news for all of us, isn't it? Could, be, could it be that Eve's greatest mistake became the greatest victory humanity will ever know? Yeah, I think it is. That the coming of the Savior that was set in motion because of his deception would be the destruction of the evil one forever. Hallelujah. This needs to give us hope, friends, and it needs to give you hope, mothers, for all the ways in which maybe you have made missteps as a mom. And I, I don't know what that's like because I'm not one, but I have a feeling that, that sometimes it looks like, oh no, I did this, I messed up, I'm going to mess up my kids, or maybe I did mess up my kids. The truth is, as aware of your mistakes as you may be, God's faithfulness is bigger. If he did it for Eve, he'll do it for you. As big and aware of your mistakes, you may be your willingness to just do the work of a mom. To be present and do your best is the biggest win. And it is the greatest fruit in the line of, of your children and your children's children that you simply did your job, that you were faithful, that you were the mom you needed to be, and that you were enough. We all know this, don't we? We're not defined by our greatest mistakes. That doesn't define who we are because we all have a, a nice, nice litany of mistakes trailing behind us. We all do. Now, if you're in Christ and you've come into faith and you've asked for forgiveness, God doesn't acknowledge those. You may remember, but he doesn't. That's amazing. We have a litany of great mistakes, but what actually defines you 
is the sum total of God's promises and faithfulness over your life. That is your identity. That's who you are in the grace of God. And that's not just enough. It's more than enough. And the God's promises over your life, what defines you, then you need to understand from Eve's story and our story, the power of God's promises will prevail. They will always prevail in, through, and beyond our shortcomings. The power of God's promises will always prevail, always. That's good news. And here's some, some liberating news for you as well. You know, every mother who gives birth to a child, a child, I would say, is like a promise from heaven, is a promise to the world. It's a promise of God's image being in the world. God's promises in your child and in your children are beyond you. They're out of your control. They are squarely in God's hands. And you can trust him to watch over them. You can trust him to watch over his promises. You can watch over, trust him to perform the promises in their life and to steward your children better than you can. You do your part, moms. You do your part and it's enough. God will do the rest. It's his job. It's not your job. Amen? So Eve was a carrier of God's promise to populate the earth with the image of God and became the one to destroy the works of the devil in the earth. That's a good story. It's the truth. Now let's look at Naomi. You guys ready? Now Naomi, you may not think of much. She's in a little book called Ruth in the middle of the Old Testament. You can turn there if you want. We're not going to read it all. But uh, I will say just go read it later. Um, because specifically as I was preparing, this was the book the Lord led me to. I was like, what do you want to say to women uh, in our spiritual family this year? And I just felt him draw me to the story of Naomi. So I did read the whole thing, but we're not going, we don't have time to today. Um, but so Naomi, for context, um, had lost her husband, and then her two sons who were married also died. And so in that culture... In that day, in the, the Near East, uh, you know, in ancient times, there, that was her only hopes for provision, for, for sustenance, for stability, for life. So in all intents and purposes, she would have thought, and the people around her would have thought, you've lost everything. You got nothing. And so she's going to go back to where she came from um, instead of living where she had lived with her husband. And she tries to send off her daughters-in-law, said, go, go back to your families. I've got nothing for you. You've got nothing in for me. Um, just go back. And one goes and one stays. Her name is Ruth. And again, that story is compelling. It's not actually what we're talking about. <laughs> you should read the book of Ruth. Um, but Ruth stays, and it's such a beautiful story. And Naomi then returns to her homeland and when the people greet her, that's where we're going to jump in. When she returns to her homeland, and they've heard the story of Naomi before she arrives on the scene, this is what happens, starting in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20. If you got that for us, Daniel. They say, oh, Naomi, you're back. And she says, don't call me Naomi, uh, asterisk. Naomi means pleasant. Her name means pleasant. She says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Because the Almighty, meaning God, right, has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back to my homeland empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. 
And when she was speaking earlier in the chapter to her daughters-in-law, she said, the hand of the Lord has departed from me. So funny to me, because I read that and I think, Naomi, the devil sure did spin a powerful lie over your mind, didn't he? And so, you know, but we, we, we often get in this mindset too. Let's be honest. When we, we experience loss, when we experience pain, when provision seems to leave, when life isn't going our way, we think something must be wrong with me. Something must be wrong with God. God's mad at me. Right? But at the end of the day, this idea that when life is good, God's happy, and when God, life is bad, God's bad and far away is a very actually pagan way of thinking. It's, it's this idea, you know, and you think of the phrase, you know, we've done all the right things and, and, and our crops are, are growing and, and, and life is prospering and there's peace in our city where the gods are pleased. That's a very pagan, pagan way of thinking that somehow they shift and change like, like shadows on a whim and, and that we can just offend them like a feather falling to the ground. God is not that. He never has been. He never will be. He's ever faithful. He's ever good. He never changes. He's had no shadow of turning. And so the story goes on. They return. Um, and then God does an amazing work of redemption. An amazing work of restoration. He gives back to her more than she could ever have. And then he weaves this destitute widow into the genealogy of King David. And into the genealogy of the Savior, which would have never happened if she had not walked through what she walked through. And so the end of her story goes like this. Ruth chapter 4. Um, she's holding her new grandson in her arms. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, wow, has given him birth. So she's holding her grandson in her arms. And then Naomi took the child, verse 16, in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, this is like what they said in the town, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. What a redemption story. And when you see it from beginning to the end, it's so easy to see. The hand of God was on Naomi. She didn't see it, so she didn't believe it. But he had an incredible destiny for her. She thought she had lost all hope. She thought she had lost her lineage through tragedy. But now God would take the destitute one and put her in the most royal line ever to live. The, the throne of her grandchild David, great-grandchild David, is the throne on which Jesus the Messiah would one day sit. Grafted into the most beautiful story of redemption, into the lineage of the son of David, the king of kings. It's amazing. Naomi thought her life was over, but God said, we've only just begun. Isn't that so like God? And we know we have a few, even widows in our midst here, and I want to say the same to you. Or maybe your child-rearing days are over, you're a grandmother, 
you may think you're done, and God says, we've only just begun. We've only, I, and the Lord would say, as he said to Naomi, I have by no means left you. My hand is on you, and I have a plan. And whatever loss maybe you walked through, God will redeem it. God will restore it. Let Naomi's story speak the truth to you. Amen? Many times, all of us, though, in the circumstance of life, we, we get distracted and we disbelieve the goodness of God. I want to tell you the truth of the Word of God. God always has a plan. God redeems and restores. Because that's always His plan. In this world, you will have trouble. You will experience loss. You will experience pain. But what is the will of God for you? To leave you in your loss? To leave you destitute? To leave you in your pain? No. The plan of God will always be redemption. The end of the story in God will always be restoration. Naomi carried a promise she didn't even know. To bring forth the great king that would establish the throne that the Messiah would sit on. Now let's land on one final account of Mary, which Marvin stole my thunder. He read her part already, but we'll just say he was prophesying and call it good. Now again, Mary's a story that we're pretty familiar with, right? And we love Mary. We should. But Mary was a no one. She was not a mother, she was not a wife. These were the things of greatest value in her culture. Uh, she was quite young, so that's okay. She wasn't a mother. She wasn't a wife. She wasn't famous. She wasn't rich. She had no rapport, nothing really to attract the Lord to her. And yet, God spoke to her and gave her a promise to carry. Didn't we say you're promise carriers? And he said, you will carry the Son of God. What? I mean, that was impossible in every way, right? Impossible in every way. There's a lot of reasons why this isn't going to work, God, <laughs> right? And uh, that would have been our response, right? That, that's how we would respond. But how did Mary respond? She broke out in a song of praise. Immediately after she asked, well, how's this going to happen? <laughs> Then she broke out into a song of praise. She believed God. Why? Why did she suddenly break out in a song of praise? Was it because suddenly she was rich and wealthy and powerful? Was it suddenly because her life was going to get so much better? No to all of the above. Actually, in that moment, nothing changed. And in fact, she was going to endure so much more hardship than she ever would have endured if her life would have just gone on without the promise of God coming to her. And yet, she, and she must have known to some degree that it wasn't all going to be roses and chocolates if she took on this word from the Lord. But she broke out into a song of praise because she had a promise from God. What if that was our response? She didn't have a baby in her hand. She hadn't seen the Messiah yet, but she had a promise from God. Let's read her account here, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, immediately following, this isn't after the fact. 
This is when the moment she got the promise, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. What did the mighty one do for her? He gave her a promise to carry. Holy is his name. And I want to encourage you. This passage right here, you should make this your praise song. Because every one of you carries a promise from the Lord. Your children, yes, but so much more. There's calling on your life. There's the hand of God on your life. And these words that Mary said are true for you. Literally, I want to encourage you, make this your song. Declare this, maybe daily. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Let it be your declaration no matter what. On the good days when you see the promises of God, and on the hard days, when it's easy to hear the lies, when it feels like you're not enough, when the devil comes at you, say, my spirit, my soul glorifies the Lord. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And I won't read the rest today since Marvin already did. (laughs) But I definitely wanted to read that part because I literally want to charge you to make Mary's song your song. You don't have to sing it, but you can say it. So granted, Mary had a huge promise on her life. There's there's a lot to consider there. There's a lot to um, turn to the Lord about, but the truth of the matter is the size of God's promise does not determine his goodness towards your life. It doesn't determine the level of glory that you possess either. If God makes you a promise, you've got a promise from God to carry. And that's worth rejoicing in it. Because, and, and the truth is, every word of God is a promise. Every word he speaks through his word by the Spirit to our hearts is a promise we get to carry. And should cause our souls and spirits to rejoice. Should give us a reason to sing. Even and especially when that That serpent, the devil, comes to lie at you. When he comes at you to tell you, oh, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You need to take the promises of God and say, you know what? My soul magnifies the Lord because you know what's going to happen? You know what happened when you tried this trick, devil? You sealed your fate and you're going to be crushed and destroyed. Lie all you want. I'm going to watch you go down to the pit of hell and we'll be singing these same songs to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to the lamb for the lamb is overcome and the devil is defeated. That's going to be our song forever. And especially when he comes at you, let that be your song. Know that you carry something that threatens him so bad. And that's why he whispers in your ear every day. Because you're carrying word of God and he wishes that he could somehow take it away from you. But the truth is, he can't. He can't take the promise of God out of you. Be like Mary. Rejoice at his word. You know, let's just talk one moment about Mary. I'm trying to close because we're about out of time, but. So Mary took the promise of God. She received the Holy Spirit comes on her. She conceives the Son of God. We know the story, the Christmas story. It's 
our story. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's miraculous. And then all the people begin to recognize something's going on. You know, the shepherds come and worship. And then it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. So she's got in her hands uh, uh, the delivery of the promise, yet it's not completely fulfilled because the promise was a saving king, a messiah. But she held in her hands the baby. She held in her hands the first fruit. She held in her hands the first evidence of the promise, and yet she knew what would come. So God spoke the end from the beginning, as he always does. And it says, chapter 2, verse 19, But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And you see that refrain again when Anna and Simeon come to her. And they're like, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is Mary treasured it in her heart. All along, Mary's singing the song of the promise of the Lord, even before it had fully come to pass. She knew there was so much more. And even as I believe she walked through the, um, the reproach, I couldn't find the word for a second there, of conceiving this child out of wedlock and forever being known as that one in the community and that those who didn't believe the promise and for years upon years, through Jesus growing, maturing, Jesus being a teenager, <laughs> Jesus growing into manhood, until Jesus was 30 years old. That's 30, let's call it 31 years. She treasured these things in her heart. How many of you wonder if she doubted along the 30 years? When Jesus had not yet done much, to, to evidence his nature as the Son of God and the Messiah. Of course, we don't know what happened in the home. But until Jesus was 30, she treasured these things in her heart, still pondering, still treasuring, still wondering, still waiting, still hoping, still believing, until one day at a wedding. <laughs> she says, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. And that was the beginning of the end. The power of a mother who treasured these words in her heart. Be like Mary. Rejoice at his words. Believe what he says. Treasure in your heart. Don't let the self-doubt, self-loathing, doubting the goodness of God, voice of the devil, keep you. Let the promises of God keep you. Mary carried a promise that the one who she would give birth to would come and we would all be saved. We would all get to know God. We'd all be called the children of God. And because of him, because of them, you all carry a promise. The image of God and the destruction of the kingdom of darkness. Like Eve, the devil may be speaking to you and the narrative of our culture amplifies it for him. You're not enough. You're not good enough. Not beautiful enough. Not smart enough. Not creative enough. Not feminine enough. But here's the truth. You're enough. Truth is, mothers, there is no better mother for your children. There's no better wife for your husband. No better grandmother to your grandchildren. No better sister to your siblings. No better daughter to your parents. 
none better than you to be you. You need to believe that. You and the goodness of God are enough. You carry his promises. Naomi's story, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in places where we think bad things are always happening. Truth is, in life, bad things happen to everyone. Just remember that God has a plan, that he will redeem every loss, and he'll multiply the blessing through you and what you've sown through others. Because what Naomi did was sow into Ruth. What Naomi did was bring Ruth to a place of blessing and prosperity. And you know what happened to Naomi? She got blessed. She got a multiplied blessed. And the kingdom, selfless love, will always reap a God-sized reward. Selfless love will always reap a God-sized reward. And Mary, these are my concludings, if you didn't get it, Eve, Naomi, Mary. She treasured these things in her heart. When accusation came to her, reproach came to her, she held fast to the promises, and she saw the redemption of God. You will too. So, we're going to conclude by honoring and blessing our mothers and women in a special way. Um, Ron, would you mind going and getting the kids out of Kids Church and have them come on in? Thank you. Um, we're going to let the kids be here with the mamas. Uh, while we wait for them to come, if I could um, have uh, just Tim, Kevin, our elders. I want you guys, and Marvin, if you would step in, <laughs> deliver one rose to every woman in this room. This rose is going to serve as a, a prophetic symbol of the promise you carry in God, the promises you carry inside of you. Now, you say, this rose is going to wither and fade. Yes, it will, but the promises of God that you carry will never pass away. The beauty of God that you carry in you will carry on, not just for your life, but on into eternity. The way you treasure the word of God, the promises of God in your life is going to impact your children, your children's children, your children's children's children, your sisters, your brothers, your mothers, your fathers. It has a multiplied effect, the promises you carry. And when you choose to believe the goodness of God instead of the lies of the enemy, you're crushing the devil's head. When you choose to believe what God says instead of what he's whispering, you're crushing the devil's head. Hallelujah. So let's make sure every woman gets one. Because every woman in this room is a promise carrier of the Lord. Amen? Everybody get one? Why don't we all stand? We're going to respond. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Hey, kids, as you come in, I want you to go pick the most special rose you can find and give it to your mom. Then go, go pick a rose and go stand with your mom. All the little childrens and the big childrens. Go pick a rose for your mom. Go stand with them. Pick the one you think is the bestest of the bestest. And then go stand with your mamas. Well, those are some beautiful roses, guys. That's a nice one. Yep, big kids in the room, too. That's right.
Get him, get him. Daniel, get over there and get your mama rose. <laughs> Big kids, too. All right, now go stand with your moms. Oh, we bless you all. We want to bless you all. Um, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'm actually going to first pray um, Mary's declaration. I'm going to put it in third person for you, over you. They want to speak the words of God over you, and I believe break the power of every lying voice off of your life. Amen? Um, so that's why I want the kids and the husband stand with you, to just stand with you and bless you. Now, if you're hearing, like, I don't have kids, husband with me, you know who's standing with you, don't you? <laughs> you know who stands with you, don't you? The God and Father of all, the bridegroom king, stands with you too. Okay, so we're going to bless you, and then after that, we're going to let you loose into um, bless everybody with some gifts. But let's extend our hands to these moms and women in the room. Father, we thank you today for each of these women that carries your promise, that carries your image, that you've empowered, God, in this life to steward your words and on into eternity, but also who you've granted the amazing honor of crushing the devil's head through their lives. And so I say to you, your soul will glorify the Lord and your spirit will rejoice in God your Savior. He has been mindful of you and your humble estate. From now on, all generations will call you blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for you. Holy is his name. And I just declare over every one of you that God is good. I declare that his hand is over you, O daughter of God, that he is enough and he has made you enough in him. You don't need anything more than all he has given you. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And you shall be a vessel of love to the world around you. We call you blessed and we curse the works of the accuser. And we break the power of self-destructive thinking and self-destructive doubt over your life today. We declare you free in Jesus. And I release over you grace and peace from God our Father. I release over you power that is in every promise that God has given you. And every promise that you carry in your heart would carry the power of God to perform it. And I pray over you a heart like Mary to rejoice in his words and to treasure them in your heart all of your days. And all the people say, amen and amen.